Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hi there, and welcome to our home. Uh, we're slowly but surely coming out of lockdown, and um, some of you might have long hair, others might be rocking a nice lockdown cut like I am. Fortunately, my wife has practiced a bit to, to cut hair. Um, but some of you might have had an opportunity to go to hairdressers since that's now um, allowable under under level three of lockdown. And uh, today I just want to chat with you a little bit about um, something that I've noticed is a is a real need, uh, particularly at this time. I it seems to me like a lot of people have just really become a lot really overwhelmed, if I can put it that way, uh, by by what's going on in terms of work uh, and and like a lot of people aren't getting any aren't really getting any rest you know god created us to be dependent representatives of himself according to genesis 1 and 2 and that's going to be the text that we're going to look at today uh, and we function best when we align ourselves with the nature that God gave us, how He created us, what He created us as, and the purpose for which He created us. And um, we see in Genesis 1, let me just maybe read the text uh, and, and then go from, from there. In Genesis 1 verse 1, a verse that is, is really well known. Uh, many many parents you know, teach, teach it to their children. Many of you might know it, even though you might not know much of the rest of the Bible, you might know this verse. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the fa- surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And uh, so the text goes on, and, and God starts creating. First he uh, it takes the creation which he created, the heavens and the earth which he created, which is formless initially, and he forms it. He creates space in it, and then he fills it. So he first forms it, and then he fills it. Uh, so he creates the heavens, uh, he creates space, he creates atmosphere, he creates dry land and water, you know, all kinds of different aspects, areas of creation that he forms. And then he starts filling them, filling them with, um, sun, moon, and stars, uh, the space filling the atmosphere with birds, filling the dry land with plants and animals, and the sea with fish, uh, etc. Uh, and and there's this repeated um, sort of refrain. And it was evening, and it was morning the first day, and it was evening, and it was morning the second day, the third, fourth, fifth, up to the sixth day, and then finally. On the seventh day, the pattern breaks, and it's a bit different. In Genesis 2, verse 2, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because because on it, He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. And... um. Just Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We see a few powerful things. That, that first part of the of the verse, in the beginning God, 
shows us something about God. It shows us that in, in the beginning there was nothing else except God, which means that God needs nothing else to exist. God exists. He's independent. He's not dependent on anything else. Uh, and it also shows us if <laughs> that um, everything else came from God. Because in the beginning there was just God and then God created everything else. So everything else flows out of God. Um, and what that tells us as, as human beings is that if in the beginning all you have is God, then you have enough. And, and you know, as it was true for the beginning of everything, so it is true for every new beginning that we have. And many of us are experiencing all kinds, experiencing all kinds of new beginnings uh, these days uh, with life that's, that's really changing. Um, so, you know, every time you have a, a new experience, every time you have a new relationship, say you get married, if you have God, then you have enough because everything else you need is found in God. Uh, every time you step into a new role, maybe you have a child, you become a parent. Uh, if at that beginning you have God, then you have enough because everything you need is in God. Uh, every time you step into a new job, if in the beginning of that new job you have God, then you have enough because from the beginning God has been enough because everything else comes from God and flows out of God. And I just want to encourage you with that. I, I just sense that some of you, um, because you're experiencing so many new things, so many new beginnings, you, you're afraid, you're sort of uncertain, you're worried, anxious, but stressed out. And what Genesis 1 verse 1 tells us is that if in the beginning we have God, then we have enough. And if you, if, if you have God in your life and, 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 and you've surrendered to God, then you don't have to fear new beginnings because everything we need for a new beginning is found in God. That's just sort of an aside. That's not what I really want to share about. Uh, then it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it shows how God created on two levels. The heavens, and notice the plural there, not heaven, but heavens, plural, which uh, includes the sky, Space, you know, where the sun, moon, and stars are, but then also the heaven of heavens, you know, the spiritual realm. So God created creation on two levels, you know, the the physical, material, visible level, and the the spiritual, immaterial, invisible level, and and all of creation, you know, takes place in the in in, in those two levels. And uh, then we see that that God. Uh, said let there be light uh, and there was light and the interesting thing to notice here and and this is you'll see as, as we go on uh, with our discussion why this is important God said let there be light and there was light now God doesn't need light God can see in darkness God could see long before light was there long before there was anything to see anything physical at least to see uh, God could see. So God doesn't need light. So you've got to ask yourself, why did God create the light? And the obvious answer is because we need light. We as creatures, um, animals, plants, uh, but specifically us as humans, we need light. Uh, why did God create the dry land? Not because He needs dry land, but because we need dry land. Why did He create the atmosphere? Not because he needs to breathe air, but because we need to breathe air. Why did he create the plants, you know, with fruit that can be eaten? 
not because he gets hungry, but because we get hungry, um, etc., etc. I think you, you, you get the idea. The, the point is that we, in the beginning, God tells us that God is independent and He existed before there was anything else and without anything else because He did, doesn't need anything else. Where God is independent, we as human beings are dependent. We need light. We need air to breathe. We need fruit to eat. We need dry land to live on, etc., etc., so we are dependent creatures. Uh, the whole story of Genesis and how God creates, one of the things, obviously many things that it wants to convey to us, but one of the things it wants to convey to us is that we are dependent creatures. So in our nature, we are dependent creatures. And like I said, we live best and we flourish when, when we live in line with the nature that God has given us, how He has created us, what He has created us to be. But secondly, also for the purpose that He has created us. In um, Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, etc. And then verse 27 says, So God created Mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase. And what we, what we see here and you know, throughout the rest of Genesis 1 and 2 is just a f- the main purpose for which God created us is to represent him or reflect him, to be in his image, to be like him and to reflect him in that. And then there are five ways in which God called us to, to reflect Him. He called us to reflect Him and represent Him by relating. He says, let us, the us there, there's a plurality. So that already implies relationship within God. And from the New Testament, we know that's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship with each other. God is a relational God. And He created us to reflect Him by being relational beings. So we reflect Him or represent Him by being by relating, by reforming. What I mean by that, verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then the earth is formless and empty and God forms it. In other words, He takes what's already there and He forms it and then He fills it. So in a sense, the rest of the creation week was not God creating out of nothing, but God reforming what's already there. And God called us to reflect Him by also taking what He created and reforming it. And that forms a big part of our work that we do. Uh, and we might talk about that in a, in, a, in a next session. So we reflect or represent God by relating, by reforming. We also um, represent God by ruling. He said, He created man um, and, and, and said, in our image, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and everything else in creation. So God rules and He called us to reflect Him, His nature, um, and represent Him by ruling as He would have ruled the creation. Uh, we also reflect or represent God by reproducing. He said, be fruitful and multiply, increase. God blessed Adam and Eve and said, increase in the earth. Uh, and then finally, we reflect or represent God by resting. And that's the part we read in Genesis 2 from verse 2 where on the seventh day God completed His work and He rested. And, and, and I want to just 
briefly today look at that dynamic between working and resting. Um, now, we have, I, I know I'm talking to an audience, mostly people from Johannesburg, but people from all over um, in all kinds of other places. And, and we all have different relationships with work. Uh, some of us have too little work and we'd love to have more work. We'd love to, you know, especially now under lockdown, uh, many of us have maybe had to close our businesses or take unpaid leave or something like that. And, and we just wish we had more work. Um, some others of us, we have too much work. You know, we might be, you know, sort of in the inter internet industry or in marketing or something like that. And we just, you know, just completely overwhelmed by the amount of work, extra work that, uh, that we have in general, uh, as a rule in cities and particularly in a city like Johannesburg, we tend to overwork rather than underwork. People come to Johannesburg because there are lots of jobs here. People have always come to Johannesburg because there are lots of jobs and because there's money to be made here. I mean, right at the beginning, uh, Johannesburg started with the gold rush. That's why it's called the city of gold. And people came here with a gold rush to make money. Um, so, you know, making money is a big issue in Joburg. And uh, it's, it's sort of, you know, one of the richest cities in South Africa and Africa. And people come here to, to work and to make money. Um, so it's a very industrious city. And, and many people in Johannesburg tend to overwork. Um, but there's a bit of a tension there as well. So some of us feel we'd like to have more work. Other people, you know, others of us, you know, we'd like to have less work. And, and there's a bit of a tension between our working and our resting. Because when we don't work, we feel restless. And when we do work, we need to rest from the work that we have. And, and, and there's, there's this bit of a tension between, between the working um, and the resting. And... Um, to complicate matters, you know, this modern era that we live in has sort of, I almost want to say exacerbated or worsened that tension between the work and the rest and, and the fact that we need a balance between them. I mean, if you look at, it's interesting, um, Genesis uh, 1 over and over again in a very subtle way tells us that there should be a, a rhythm of work and rest um, and it's something that we you know we, we stick to even as modern people uh, and we don't often think of the fact that it comes from the Bible but but you know it says and it was evening and morning the first day evening and morning the second day and there's there's evening when it's dark for us a time for us to rest and there's morning you know when it's light a time for us to work and and we see in that that constant rhythm of evening and morning of darkness and light, uh, the rhythm of resting, sleeping, and rising and working. There's that constant rhythm. But not only that, not only is there that daily rhythm between day and night, resting, sleeping, and working, uh, but there's also the weekly rhythm. Um, you know, the first six days, God works, and then on the seventh day, God rests. And, and we sort of model our seven day week even now thousands of years later on what God did right at the beginning with creation when he worked and rested and th there's a rhythm not only of daily resting and working but of weekly you know 
days of work and then a day of rest. And um, there's a balance, in other words, that needed. With that rhythm, it tells us that there's a balance that we need between work and rest. And it's one of those balances that we really struggle to maintain, especially as modern people. And there are a few reasons why, as modern people, we particularly struggle uh, to do this. Uh, I was uh, recently listening to a sermon by by Tim Keller, and he mentioned a few of them. Uh, He he said, for instance, that um, job security is at an all-time low. I mean, gone are the days, you know, a few decades ago when someone would start, you know, in their early 20s in a certain job or in their late teens even in a certain job, and then for the rest of their lives until they retire, they'd stay in that one job with that one company. I mean, it hardly even happens anymore. Um, but more than that, it, our, our times have become so performance-driven, you know, that when a, a department or a you know, division or something underperforms, you know, they just cut people, just, you know, companies just cut jobs because, you know, performance and making profit is, is such a big thing. So, so job security is at an all-time low. I don't think... Um, we've ever had so little job security um, which means you constantly have to work you know to to keep your job or to to, to get a new job uh, secondly the income disparities are tremendous uh, and, and and I think we feel it in South Africa probably more than in any other other country in the world where the the the, the income ratio between People at the bottom of a company and people at the top of a company used to be sort of 10 or 20, you know, the people at the top would earn 10 or 20 times more to people of, uh, uh, than the people at the bottom. Now, nowadays, the people at the top earn 100 to 200 times what the people at the bottom earn. In other words, the, the, the gap between rich and poor, between the top uh, and the bottom have become massive, which means the people at the top have to work i mean it's just expected because they earn such massive salaries it's just expected that they work you know incredible hours every week and if they're not willing to do that they are like many people just queuing up you know behind them to take over from them and 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 do that work but it also means because the people at the bottom the, the rich have become richer but the poor have become poorer and and people at the bottom have to often work multiple jobs just to make ends meet just to get by so everyone's you know, working more. Um, then there's the whole issue of technology, and technology is an accelerator. It it increases, it accelerates what's what's going on. You know, for instance, uh, our smartphones, our tablets, and stuff. Um, <laughs> basically, we have computers in our pockets, so we can receive not only phone calls, but but text messages, WhatsApps, um, emails. Uh, we can have conference calls, you name it, uh, all kinds of pr- productivity uh, software, Asana and Trello and all that kind of stuff uh, to help us be more productive. And, and, and what technology, what, what that means, the, the portable technology that we have and the way through the fourth industrial in- revolution that we're in, integrating it into our lives means that we can work anywhere, which means that we end up working everywhere. And, and I think with, with the lockdown and so many people working from home, that has just been 
aggravated, you know, even more because a friend of mine was telling me, you know, he's, he's working so much harder because, you know, two of his bosses that, that he works with, his uh, sort of superiors that he reports to, they used to drive like maybe an hour and a half each, you know, to, to work and back. And now because they're working from home, they have that extra hour and a half to, to think up new jobs and new, new kinds of work for him. Um, and, and, and he's feeling it, you know, he's, he's just got a lot more on his plate. And, you know, some people like, you know, singles or, or young marrieds without children, uh, you know, they, they, can, they can sort of handle the work. But, um, you know, with the lockdown, people with children, it's not only the work that they have to handle, uh, they now have to homeschool their kids. Okay, kids are slowly but surely starting to go back to school, but they had to homeschool their kids for the last couple of months. Um, and they had to keep their own homes clean. You know, they didn't have someone coming in to clean their homes. So, so now you have to juggle those three balls. You, you, you're trying to keep the house clean. And I mean, we, most of us have forgotten how much work that is. It's quite a lot of work, you know, get all the dishes washed, the, the clothing washed, you know, everything clean and, and, and swept and, and the beds made and everything. Uh, doing that homework that, uh, you know, you might have outsourced to someone else or delegated to someone else. Then you have to do the schooling, which you, you know, you used to just go and drop your kids off at school. But now you have to watch videos with them, make sure they do their homework. And especially if they're younger kids, they need some help with that. So now you're a teacher all of a sudden as well. And then somewhere in between there, you still have to try and be productive and, um, you know, get your day job done. So, you know, many people's managers, you know, are like in the day, they're like busy cleaning house, looking after the kids. And then all of a sudden in the afternoon or in, in the evenings, you know, when usually you'll go home then they start being productive and they start doing work oh i didn't get everything i need to do done so all of a sudden you've been working all day and then you start getting you know in the afternoon or or early evening you start getting these emails from your boss because now he's starting to work because you know finally the kids are you know all you know bathed and showered and in their pajamas and ready for bed and now he's starting to work and he's starting to delegate and send you emails and and messengers and and asking you to get things done and what I found is so many people are just really struggling because those those lines, because of technology and because we've been working from home the, the last while, you know, we're just working all the time. And the, the, the natural boundaries between working, uh, you know, our work life and the rest of our lives have been completely blurred. And, and, and so many people are just working so much harder than before and resting so much less. And I just, on the on the verge of burnout and being completely overwhelmed. And if you're feeling like that, I just want to say that's normal. I think a lot of people are feeling that way. And, and I think a lot of us are struggling to deal with this new environment that we're in because of the lockdown and because of just the, our use of technology has just escalated. It's just, you know, increased, um, by orders of magnitude because of the lockdown and because we've had to use technology. And I mean, praise God for technology. It's, it's so useful that we can actually still have meetings on Zoom or, or Google Meet or whatever. But the, the drawback is we, we, if we're not careful, we end up working all the time, you know, <laughs> just not stopping. We're just working all the, So we're working from home, so we just work all the time. You, catch yourself and it's eight nine ten o'clock and you're still working 
uh, and I know many of you can relate to this. Uh, you've been you've been doing that for the last couple of weeks, and and you feel just too thinly spread, like like butter on too much bread. And if you're feeling like that, um, you know, I just want to say there are a lot of people who are feeling like that, uh, because all of us are struggling a bit to to get that work rest balance right under this new normal that we're operating in. So modern sort of circumstances and trends, and especially the lockdown and technology and that kind of stuff, are exacerbating our imbalance between work and rest. Uh, But but not only that, um, you know, one of... One of my favorite movies is a, is a movie called Chariots of Fire, uh, quite an old British movie, um, but it tells the story of Eric Little, a very committed Scottish athlete. He's a, he's, a, he's a Christian, a very committed Scottish Christian, but he's also a very gifted athlete. Uh, and another gifted athlete called um, Harold Abrams, who was a, a, a Jew. And um, Eric Little ran for the glory of God and, and he did everything to glorify God. That was, that was, he felt his purpose in life. So he understood this whole thing about representing God or reflecting God and thereby glorifying Him. Whereas Harold Abrams, you know, his purpose in life was to, to sort of represent Jews who were marginalized and persecuted and so on. And it's interesting to see the difference between the two. Whereas, um, whereas Eric Little sort of had a settled sense of identity and security in who he was because of whose he was. He, he knew, I, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God because I belong to God. I don't have to prove myself. Uh, so when he found out that the, I mean, he made the finals of the, I think it was the mile or something that he was running, uh, and, and he was the, the clear favorite. He, he was going to definitely win it. Uh, but but when he heard that the that the final was being run on a on a Sunday, uh, because um, he wanted to honor God and as a witness to God and to his commitment to God, he decided not to run, uh, and, and and just because he was settled in his identity in God as well, so he didn't have he didn't feel he had to prove himself by by winning this um, to mean anything, uh, you know. In in stark contrast to that, Harold Abrams. He ran the 100 meters, also a very gifted um, athlete. He ran the 100 meters. And when they, when they asked him, you know, why, um, why do you work so hard? Why do you train so hard, you know, you know, to, um, you know to run the, the 100 meters, the sprint in, in the Olympics? And he, and he said, when, when that gun fires, when, when that shot goes off, I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. And... You know that that highlights a, a a different problem, and 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 you know Keller also mens- mentions this as a, as sort of a, an, another trend. Whereas before we tended to find our identity, our sense of identity, our sense of belonging, our sense of who we are in our role in life, either as a mother or father or child, or you know as part of our family, you know, and we used to work in the family business and so on. Nowadays. People have so much freedom to do whatever they want to and to sort of reinvent themselves. And, and, and your work sort of determines who you are. And, and we f- tend to find our identity not in representing God uh, per se, but in working, in what we do. And, and, and Harold Abrams was an example of that. You know, I've, when, that, when that 
shot fires. I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. And so many of us feel that way about our work. So the problem is not only the work and the balance between work and rest. The problem is that even when we do rest, we can't really switch off because we feel we need to prove ourselves and that doesn't go away. No matter how hard we work, we always feel like it's not good enough if we have that same um, attitude that Harold Abrams has. My, I need to prove myself through my work. It's never enough. And once you have proven yourself, then there's just another phase in which you have to prove yourself again and again and again. And there's what, what Keller calls the work underneath the work that you have to do, constantly doing. And, and that means that, that even when we do rest, it's not deep rest. It's, it's like, uh, he says it's like sleep. You know, you, uh, scientists have found that it's, it's not enough just to sleep. You have to, you have to experience deep sleep, REM, rapid eye movement sleep. And he says that, that, that when, when you have that, that sense, when you find your sense of identity and worth in your work, you, you cannot properly rest. You cannot descend into REM sleep kind of rest, even when you do stop. And so here's the, here's the assumption we make. We, we assume that we can rest simply by stopping our work. But the reality is we can't. It, it takes more than just stopping your work in order to really rest and find rest and really relax and <sighs> recharge. And, um, you know, this Genesis 1 and 2 t- actually shows us that. It, it, and it actually gives us a clue to how we can, a, a pointer towards the good news of how we can actually rest, not just in a balanced way, evening and morning, sleep and, and, and work um, and uh, you know every seventh day take a day off and rest but, but how we can have that deep rest of not only resting from our work but resting from trying to prove ourselves resting from um, resting in God's complete work if you, if you look at, at, at Genesis 1 and 2, it tells us two things about God's work. Firstly, it tells us that God's work is good because, you know, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then it says, and God saw that the light was good. And then he says, let there be, you know, fish or animals or whatever. And he saw that it was good. And, it, and it's like, you know, God's work in terms of its quality is good. So, so when, when, when God finishes something, he, he sort of sits back and he enjoys it and he says, hmm, that's good. And, and when, when the quality of work is sufficient, you can, you can sort of rest in it. You can sort of celebrate it and say, wow, that's good. Um, but not only that, it says in, in, in chapter 2, uh, it says on the seventh day when God had um, finished the work that he was doing, when he completed the work. God didn't rest because he was tired. Uh, An almighty being with endless power and energy never gets tired. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need to rest. Um, He doesn't need to rest because he's tired. And God rested not because he was tired, but because he was finished. So so not only was the quality of his um, work so good that he could enjoy it, but the quantity, he finished it. Everything that he needed to do, he finished doing and he rested in that. And we can rest. We, we need to rest in work that's complete. Now, our work will never be complete. But we can rest in God's complete work. 
And, and, and as we know from the New Testament perspective, the ultimate finished work is the work of the cross, where Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. It is done. That's the ultimate complete work that we can rest in. Um, and it's a good work. We, we can sort of sit back and say, well, <laughs> what Jesus did is good enough. It's finished. It's complete. It's done. I can rest in that. I don't have to prove myself anymore because because of what Jesus did, because he completed the work I never could. I can now be accepted. I can now be, I can now rest. I don't have to prove myself anymore because my acceptance depends not on what I do, but on what Jesus has done for me. And, you know, there's this line, um, I think it's uh, in one of Tolkien's books. Some of you might have seen the, have seen the movies, the Lord of the Rings movies. The Two Towers, the second book, there's this, this character, um, one of my favorite characters in the books, called Faramir. Uh, and he says, praise from the praiseworthy is above all rewards. And what, what he's saying is, when, when you get praise from someone who's praiseworthy, when you, when you get acceptance from someone that, that you respect, that you look up to, that means more than anything. And, and so God's acceptance should be more, more to us than anyone else's. I mean, he's the, ones, he's the only one whose acceptance really matters. And because, of, because Jesus said it is finished, the work is finished, we can be accepted. We are good enough. We're acceptable. And we don't have to work anymore. Uh, we don't have to labor. We don't have to strive anymore. If you contrast what Jesus said, his last words was, it is finished. You know, the Buddha's last words was, keep striving. And unless you can rest in God's complete work, His good work, you'll never be able to rest. Now, just consider this uh, Watchman Nee in his book, Sit, Walk, Stand, which is a sort of a commentary on the book of Ephesians. He refers back to Genesis 1 and he says, 1 and 2, and he says, Notice that the day of rest, when God had completed the work of creation, created everything, finished it, and finished it well, it was very good. That day of rest, when God rested, was the seventh day for God, but the first day for Adam. Because Adam, mankind, Adam and Eve, were created on the sixth day, at the end of the sixth day. So the seventh day, the day of rest, was the first day for Adam and Eve. So the very first thing that Adam and Eve experienced was to rest in what God had completed and the good work that He had completed, the very good work that He had completed. And, and, and so God created us, and this is what Genesis 1 and 2 is telling us, God created us to work out of a place of rest, but specifically out of resting in God's completed work. So we first rest in God. We sit in that place of rest in God. And then from that we can then work, not in order to prove ourselves like Harold Abrams, but in order to represent God, reflect God, glorify God like Eric Little. Um, I I didn't get this balance right in my um, during my studies and so on, and <clears throat> and I do uh, this work rest balance, and and you know I went through stages of sort of passivity and procrastination, and then you know got into a workaholic frenzy, uh, you know, worked through the night for three, four days, you know, on, on, on tasks, you know, to, to meet deadlines on projects and stuff. Uh, and then I was like 
so dead tired that I couldn't do anything again for a couple of days. Uh, and I, I, you know, I know so, many of you struggle with it as well. And we work best when we have that balance of evening and morning, sleep and work, but then also that weekly rest, that weekly cycle of six days of working and then one day of rest. Now, just one or two, just in closing, one or two practical um, things that we can do. How can we rest? We, we need discontinuity. Uh, we, we need to stop the normal things we're doing and do something different. Uh, you cannot, you know, if, if you cannot, you cannot rest by doing the same things that you do when you work. Um, and, and, and also, we, we need to recognize, you know, just like God created the heavens and the earth, the material and the immaterial, the, the physical and the spiritual, so God created us. Our, our bodies from the dust of the earth, physical, but then breathing to us the breath of life, spiritual. And, and to rest, we need, we need something of both. We, we, you need to rest physically but also you, and be sustained physically, but you also need to be sustained spiritually. Uh, that's the one thing. You need discontinuity. Do something different. Uh, but then you also need, you know, rest is a form of discovery. Uh, they had the Sabbath, not only the, Sab- the Saturday Sabbath, but they had Sabbath years. You know, six years they'd plant on a certain plot of land. And then on the seventh year, they'd sort of stop and plant uh, nothing or, or uh, you know, and just let whatever was growing, the weeds or whatever, just come up. And sometimes you just need a time of rest where, you know, whatever thought pops into your head can just come up and you can just sort of follow it uh, and, and just discover new new things um, not have deadlines not have something that you have to focus on or something that you have to do but just follow whatever thought comes into your mind um, rest is also imitation God rested and we imitate him um, so so representing him and reflecting him part of how we do that is by resting uh, resting is also an act of humility where we admit that we are dependent creatures and we cannot work all the time. God can work all the time, but, but we can't. We need rest. Uh, and also, we, we, we acknowledge that you know, by resting that I'm not the general manager of the universe. God is. And when I rest, I'm acknowledging that God can maintain and preserve His creation without my help and without my contribution. My contribution is not necessary. It, God gives me the opportunity to give it, but it's not necessary. And there's a, there's a humility in resting. Where, where I say, we acknowledge. Uh, it's an act of humility. We acknowledge that uh, life can go on without me. God can manage the universe without me. Uh, rest is also an act of trust. Where I'm saying, I'm going to take this time and rest, and trust God that He will preserve. I'm going to I'm going to rest in, um, in God's pres- preserving and God's complete work. I'm going to rest in that God has already done everything, and I'm going to rest in the fact that God maintains things even when and blesses things, um, even when blesses. Let me put it this way: when when you work hard for six days, but you, you, you say, I'm going to put those boundaries down. I'm going to rest um, one day a week. Um, you know, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to have certain boundaries within which I work. Other people might go over those boundaries and work longer hours than you, but you trust God that He's going to bless the work that you do within the time that He has allocated for work and actually make it more productive and more fruitful than 
the longer hours that other people work. And I've heard so many testimonies of people who, who've done that. Uh, Mezen was sharing with us the other day how she was working as a medical rep and she worked less hours because she just had less time, but she prayed and she trusted God and, she, and her, her numbers were just so much better. Her performance was just so much better than uh, all the other reps be, uh, be, uh, because she just trusted God in that. And, and rest is an act of trust. And then finally, Rest is an act of celebration. It's an act of celebrating that what God has done is enough. What God has done is good enough. And we can celebrate that by resting in it and saying, I'm good enough because of what God, because what God has done for me is good enough. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to justify my existence. I can rest deeply. And that is my prayer for you and for all of us. Um, that, that we as Christians will be a counterculture that shows the world how we can actually rest. Not only rest from our work, but rest in God and in God's work that He did for us. Let me pray for us. Father, we just want to thank You, Lord, that we can work and by working reflect Your image, represent You, but also rest and by resting, trust in You, Celebrate what you have done and, and show the world that what you have done is enough. And, and we just pray, Lord, that, that Lord, during this time of disruption with the lockdown and uh, COVID-19 and working from home and homeschooling and all those crazy things that, that, that make life so complicated and difficult for us, that you will help us to really rest and Lord, give us the wisdom to lay down certain boundaries, Lord, even when it's difficult, to lay down certain boundaries, to, to make our work sustainable. And like Eric Little, to do it in a way that glorifies you, even if it costs us something, even if we make, have to make a few hard sacrifices. I just pray your blessing over all your people in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.